Hello everybody, how are you? I'm okay, I'm a little bit tired, I have to be honest. A little bit knackered. Knackered is what I am. Um, I had, well, you know I had the moving day, part one, yesterday. And then I went and saw um, two of my very best friends yesterday. And that was lovely. It was so nice. You just, you know, when you just meet up with your friends, and you know, you know, you don't necessarily see them all the time, but um, it's just lovely because um, you just kind of relax, and yeah, you don't see them all the time, and they're just the, they're the family that you pick. You know what I mean? Um, and it's comfortable, and you can be yourself, um, and it's nice and it's warm, um, and they accept you for who you completely are. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, so that was really lovely yesterday, and you get there, and all of you know, and you giggle, and you belly laugh. Do you know what I mean? And all of a sudden, it's like one o'clock in the morning. And so it, that was lovely. It was lush. Um, so that happened. Um, and it was just a nightmare getting home. Because, um, like, roads were closed. Etc, etc, etc. Anyway, so it was a really late night. And then I knew I had to... Um, do packing up tonight uh, today so fortunately Herb and the boys Oscar and Ruben had said that they'd come over and help me which was just amazing so they came over to the school um, do you know some idiots egged the like the windows I mean, which buffoon has done that I mean nobody's there one and two we've been in a lockdown what kind of loser is doing that what are you doing how bored do you have to be to waste to go and buy eggs and then go to school which you haven't been at anyway and going i mean just what a loser anyway whatever just think, what a loser. Anyway, go yeah, whatever. Um, um, anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, just think it's the most bizarre thing. Just what kind of attention are you looking for? Anyway, whatever. Um, and... Yes, yeah, so we went over, and because they were there, it was fantastic, and and got through all the stuff. Oh, it would have taken me another day, and a bit probably, but the boys were great. They were really great, and we got through everything. I mean, I've got stuff still that the facility guys um, are gonna put are going to get upstairs for me because they're fantastic and the school wouldn't run without them as we know and Belinda who's amazing is going to have to go in there and deep clean it 
honestly, what they do is just amazing. Um, but, um, yeah, you should see what they're doing. They're just, you know, because the teacher's gone in and um, obviously it's the end of school, so they get rid of all the stuff that isn't needed anymore or, you know, stuff that is finished or whatever, or broken, just through wear and tear, etc. And so it gets put into bin bags or stuff gets put outside. And then um, the facilities people have to come along and get rid of all of that kind of stuff. And then it's like a deep clean. And it takes, you know, so it takes ages to do. Plus on top, of all of the um, coronavirus -y stuff that they have to do as well. Um, which they still have to do kind of every day because it's a workplace. So it's amazing what they've done. Totally amazing what they've done. They're amazing people. Um, you know. They're brilliant people. I think they're, I think they're absolutely fantastic. So anyway, so we got that done. And we finished that. I think we probably finished that about half past one. We were out of there. I mean, majority of that was I did put my keys down somewhere. I had a bit of fire going on, and um, I lost them, so I couldn't find them. But the boys were just fantastic. Um, and I've hurt my left knee. I'm trying to disguise it, but I've hurt my left knee. The first box I picked up, something twanged. Um, yeah, in the back of my leg, and it really hurts. I know I've done something bad. You know, whatevs, whatevs. Whatevs. So, anyway, that's my day. Um, it's supposed to be hotter tomorrow. It's supposed to be hotter tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be a funny day for my family. I have to say. Because, you know, I know that we've all given up stuff for this lockdown. But tomorrow, my sister was supposed to be getting married to this wonderful man. Um, and it's still going ahead. It's just later than planned. You know, it's now going to be in April. Um, but she's stuck in Singapore. So we're not going to be with her. You know, for this time when she should have been getting married. So we obviously want to be protecting her and stuff. She's my little sister. I adore her. You know, I've always been there protecting her. I can't be there to protect her and, and make sure everything's okay. Oh, but boy. You know. Oh, families, eh? Families, eh? But she'll get, she's so strong. She's so strong, she'll get through it. She's, yeah, so, yeah, this is the thing I told you, she's gonna do a 30K walk. Nutter. But some people, you know, people get on, don't they? And they, they get on with things in different ways. That's her way of getting through things. Right. Oh, my eyeglasses. So. Oh, 
my glasses are so dirty. So dirty. Okay, here we go. We are up to 122. We've got, officially guys, 30 sonnets left. Okay. If my dear love were but the child of state, it might for fortune's bastard be unfathered as subject to time's love or to time's hate. Weeds among weeds or flowers with flowers gathered. No, it was builded far from accident. It suffers not in smiling pomp nor falls under the blow of thralled discontent where to the inviting time our fashion calls it fears, fears not policy that heretic which works on the leases of short numbered hours but all alone stands hugely politic that it nor grows with heat, nor drowns with showers. To this I witness call the fools of time, which die for goodness, who have lived for crime. So, What's he bimbling on about here? So he is boasting here about the superiority of his love for the fair youth and um, how it is trans transcending um, Every, you know how how it's transcending normal love. How it is, um, it's true love. Okay, so um, this word "bastard," just so that you know, it just means um, uh, if you were if you were born outside of wedlock, which both of my two boys were, Sid wasn't, but both of my two boys are, because I'm not married to Herbie, um, um, then you would be considered a bastard. Um, yeah. So, um, and some fathers, um, acknowledged their children and some fathers didn't and um you know it depended what was happening we'll, we'll get to that right so if my dear love were but the child of state it might for fortune's bastard be unfathered as subject to time's love or to time's hate weed among weeds or flowers with flowers gathered if 
my great love for you had simply been created by circumstances, it might be rejected as illegitimate, which is, you know, um, being um, that, you know, not being um, born within a marriage because changing circumstances could destroy it. Lots of Shakespeare's plays deal with it. Oh, it was obviously a thing at the time. It's not a thing. It's not a thing that we have any care about now. Um, but there was obviously obviously a bit of a status about it then, um, and some plays deal with the kind of social status that was to do with it. Um, it crops up in King Lear. Um, for example, um, and um, is it As You Like It? Dun, 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 dun. I think it's As You Like It as well. Um, where um, they're rather jealous of the legitimate heirs. Um, no, it was builded far from accident. So, it it would be subject to whatever's in fashion at moment. Oh, okay, right. It would be subject to whatever's in fashion at the moment. Rejected with what was worthless. Um, with rejected uh, with worthless things or plucked up with other fashionable flowers okay so that's weed among flowers or flowers with flowers gathered okay it would be subject to whatever's in fashion at the moment rejected with worthless things or plucked up with other fashionable flowers so at some times it doesn't it didn't matter then whether or not you were illegitimate or sometimes it did matter depended on what was fashionable in court sometimes the fathers would because it was always to do with the fathers never to do with the mothers the fathers would say oh no that's fine you know i will acknowledge you sometimes the fathers wouldn't acknowledge the sons or the or the daughters It'd be mostly sons, though, you know, they wouldn't really, whatever. Um, daughters didn't really, you know, um, feature. Um, no, it was builded far from accident. No, my love was created where it can't be touched by the unpredictability of events. It suffers not in the smiling pomp, nor falls under the blow of thralled discontent where to the inviting time of our fashion calls. It's not helped by the approval of authority, nor is it crushed along with the malcontents who resist authority, as these times do tempt us to do. Mm. 
So it's not helped by the approval of authority, so those in establishment, nor is it crushed along with the malcontents who resist authority as these times do tempt us to do. So that's real sort of, that's really sort of talking about people who um, at the time were resisting authority um, and, you know, potentially people who, um, when it was written type of thing but you know if it was if this was the gunpowder plot people or do you know what I mean you know it depends really entirely when this was written and um you know they're not entirely quite sure but and about whom um so but anybody resisting um the throne or the court um it depends on who he was thinking about but he's, he's making a political comment there. Um, it fears not policy, that heretic, which works on leases of short-numbered hours. My love isn't afraid of the political scheming and conniving engaged by immoral people, which only has a short-term effect, but stands itself independent and enormously wise, neither growing during times of pleasure, nor killed by misfortune. Mm -hmm. So yeah. alone stands hugely politic that it grows with heat nor drowns with showers yes okay neither growing in times of pleasure nor killed by misfortune so it grows with heat nor drowns with showers to this I witness call the fools of time to attest to what I'm saying um, to show, you know, to, to test what I'm, to, to, I'm saying, to um, to witness to what I'm saying, um, and to prove to what I'm saying, I call as witnesses all those fools who died repentant and seek, um, who which died for goodness, who have lived for crime, um, and seeking goodness after living lives dedicated to crime. So everybody on their deathbed who said, you know, oh, please forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Right, okay, so let's look at this. So this is obviously developing the theme from yesterday. And he's talking about how his love... Um, which is, you know, the rebel, um, true love, is not subject to cancellation or change or any other effect of time, this true love of his. Um, the fools of time, to this witness I call the fools of time, which die for goodness who have lived for crime, refers to all the poet's rivals who 
pursue material rewards, patronage and self-interest in the name of love. Um, you know, for those, all of those who have been a false witness for love, you know, who don't have any kind of real idea about his lofty idea, ideal of love, and, you know, because they, they haven't felt the real ideal of love that um, the um, fair, fair youth and Shakespeare have shared. Essentially, Shakespeare is spouting off about his superior love, which is independent of all normal human conventions and does not seek uh, the favour or approval of kings, princes, princes, states, politicians, times or um, fashions. And um, he's saying that it was create his love was created by if it if it was created um by chance out of circumstance so if my dear love were but the child of state um it you know um it would have been like an illegitimate child um subject to the trend either good or bad um and you know um you know and and having to fight amongst the weeds or the flowers dependent on how everything was you know having to, to fight for itself depending on how the court felt um But actually, um, his, actually, that's, you know, his love grew um, and wasn't by accident. Um, And I've lost my bit, but his love grew and um, it was built far from accident, he says. Um, um, and it suffers not in smiling pomp nor falls under the blow of thralled discontent so you know it's completely the opposite of that Um, um, and so it grew over time um, and Uh, yeah, and through resolve, through determination, um, that's how his superior love with the fair youth grew. Um, and the contrast of his superior love is this is um, between his love, this love, this amazing love, and the love which is perjured, partial, and dependent on court fa- favors and on the politics of the time. So, you know, really um, fickle love. Um, yeah. And and so these, these people who um, 
die or um you know or, or go to die whatever um would or you know uh, he, you know he's spoken so much about sort of this hypocrisy um and this uh manufacture of art and he you know he's he's he talks about that um quite he's always talked about that quite a lot and he's saying that when they go to die they will be saying um i i repent because i have not pursued a true love like shakespeare and the fair youth i have just um pursued a fake sort of love there you go so that's what he's saying he's saying he is talking about how his love is this lofty superior unchanging love that has been grown out of resolve um never ending never changing never bending um yeah yes that's that's what he's that's what he's talking about um yeah which is a which is the ideal and which is untouchable um, by the courts, which is untouchable by the by the politics um, or anything sort of anything to do with material um, yeah or manufactured it's it's above all of that yeah and as proof of that he he calls forth the all the people who die and and repent and say you know i have not been good enough i have not loved hard enough i have not um, I have not pursued truth enough. So, that is sonnet one to four. We will look at one to five tomorrow and see where that takes us. Today's, um, uh, um, other poem uh, takes us to somebody called Stephen Spender. What a great surname! Walk down the joint. Anyway, um, he uh, very interesting guy. Really interesting guy. Um, he is a Sir Sir Stephen Harold Spender, born the twenty eighth of February, nineteen 
1909, died 16th of July 1995. He was an English poet, novelist and essayist who work, whose work concentrated on themes of social justice and the class struggle. Now, remember, we looked at what an essayist is and that they basically write sort of pamphlets and stuff like that, um, talking about um, sort of like lobbying um, people and sending information off um, in a sort of persuasive way. He was appointed Poet Laureate Consultant in Poetry to the United States of Congress in 1965. He was born in Kensington. Now, um, when I was growing up, I had a very good friend and she had a house in Kensington. It was dead posh. Um, She went to school in Hampstead. She, he went to school in Hampstead. also very nice place to be don't you know um on the death of his mum he transferred to the university college school um so he was at he was at a nice school and then he went to a less nice school um he said he never passed any exams in his life um really i think he just kind of i got the impression reading about his life story that he kind of floated through really his closest friend was wh Auden. now if you have a look back um through the sonnets you'll find a whole bit about wh Auden. um spender began work on a novel in 1929 which was not published until 1988. Do the maths on that. Under the title, The Temple. But he was discovered by T.S. Eliot, who was um, being a publisher. What was he doing? He was, he was, I think, well, he must have been being a publisher, but obviously T.S. Eliot, as we know, was also um, writing. I think he was being some sort of publisher. I'm looking it up, but I'm not going to spend too much time looking it up. Um... Discovered an editor at Faber and Faber in 1933. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, In 1936, he became a member of the Communist uh, Party in Great Britain, um, but became disillusioned with the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact between Germany and the Soviet Union. So... If you need to know more about that, it's the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact between Germany and the Soviet Union, um, which many uh, in Britain saw as a betrayal um, leading up to the war, leading up to World War II. Um, So he did not see active service in World War II, 
Um, I'm going to tell you why. Initially graded a C because of earlier health conditions, poor eyesight, varicose veins, and the long-term effects of a tapeworm in 1934. Yuck. This is what happens if you don't have a national health. However, he pulled strings to be re-examined and was upgraded to a B, which meant that he could serve in the London Auxiliary Fire Service. Now, he was quite, he had quite interesting personal life, which I'm not going to go too much into, but he was married twice. And I'm not sure if he was divorced twice, but he also had quite a few boyfriends. Um, and, and that sounds like they weren't serious. They were very serious. They were like, and he had a massive major love affair um of his like a major love affair of, of his life and who was male um and i think probably had you have to understand that it was illegal to be a homosexual to be gay um for now that's not very good i can't remember but i'll find out for you and tell you tomorrow but for um, for a long time in this country, and so it was very difficult for gay men here in this country. God, that's awful. I should know that. Anyway, um, so he was a founding member of the homosexual look. Law Reform Society, which lobbied for the repeal of British laws, which um, to actually put your head above the parapet and say, you know, and say, this is a really important thing. This is something that we should be looking at. Um, that's a really major thing um, for people to do, to actually put your voice to that is that can be quite that could be that could destroy your career um so anyway but so he did that um which makes him a very very important person um and so many people found themselves living a lie um and were married and were probably, um, you know, he he had a he had a daughter, as far as I remember. Um, I sh you know who who I bet he absolutely adored, but um, you know, um, I think. You know, I think, I think, I think probably a lot of men um, had to follow a path that probably wasn't their original path. I don't know. I just saw something on was it YouTube? I think it was YouTube about a ninety-year-old man um, who's just come out as gay. That was wonderful, really life-affirming. 
and he was just saying that um, he he has just found the strength to come out now. Um, and I just think that's so sad because I mean it's so it's brilliant because you know now he's he's free to be whoever he wants. He's wearing these great rainbow. Um, jumpers and whatnot, and and he says, "Look at me! I've got blue in my hair and whatever." But you know how sad that he's had to pretend to be somebody that you're not. You know, can you imagine, for example, if you had to pretend all your life not to like chocolate, and you wanted to desperately eat chocolate? You know, I don't know. I think that's really sad. Anyway, so let's get on to Stephen. So, Stephen's got this trust, because obviously this is just one facet of him. Stephen um, had this trust, um, he's got this registered, there's this registered trust about him um, after his death, um, registered charity, which was founded to widen the knowledge um, of 20th century literature which is poetry readings, academic conferences, a seminar series in partnership with the Institute of English Studies and an archive programme in conjunction with the British Library and the Bodleian. You know, so much stuff has been um, set up under his name because of his um, influence, um, because, because of his influence in poetry because of his work um, with um, the uh, social um, justice, sorry, social injustice and class struggle, because that's what he was really interested in, you know, looking at the haves and have-nots, and why, why that was, you know, why that could happen, why that was fair, or or not fair or why it was happening so the one that I've chosen is is called an elementary class elementary school classroom in a slum and it was it came out in mm, 1964 and it highlights social injustice at the time between the haves and the have-nots okay and it talks about these students in this run down school um, and what he he looks to be their future okay okay so it's called an elementary school classroom in a slum far from the gusty waves these children's faces like rootless weaves the hair torn around their pallor the tall girl with her way-downed head, the paper-seeming boy with rat's eyes, the stunted, unlucky air of twisted bones, reciting a father's gnarled disease, his lesson from his desk. At back of the dim class, one unnoted, sweet and young. His eyes live in a dream, of squirrels game in the tree room other than this. On a sour cream wall, donations, 
Shakespeare's head, cloudless at dawn, civilised dome riding all cities, belled, flowery, Tyrolese valley, open-handed map, awarding the world its world, and yet for these children, these windows, not this world, our world, where all their futures painted with a fog, a narrow street sealed in with a lead sky, far, far from rivers, capes, and a star of words. Surely Shakespeare is wicked and the map a bad example, with ships and sun and love tempting them to steal. For lives that slyly turn in their cramped holes from fog to endless night, on their slag heap these children wear skins peeped through by bones and spectacles of steel with mended glass like bottled bits on stone. All of their time and space are foggy slum. So blot their maps with slum as big as doom. Unless governor, teacher, inspector, visitor, this map becomes their window and these, vis- and these windows that shut upon their lives like catacombs, break, oh, break open till they break the town and show these children's green fields and make their world run azure on gold sands and let their tongues run naked into books. The white and green leaves open. History is theirs, whose language is the sun. So it's, it's a poem about these kids in sort of like um, a really sort of industrialised slum with a sort of a donated picture of Shakespeare um, and a donated um, map up on the wall in a really crummy um, classroom. And he's saying, you know, is that fair? Is it fair to give them these aspirations and these visions of something that they'll never have and they'll, and a world that they'll never really understand? Because unless you give them access to this world, unless you teach them how to get there, that's not fair so unless the governor the teacher the inspector the visitor becomes their window and shows them how to do that um, then then you shouldn't have these pictures up these you know 
it is pointless. You've got to show, you know, it's down to people to show um, the students how to get there. Makes you think, doesn't it? So, in 1964, that if you think about sort of somewhere in sort of Newcastle or Birmingham or something like that, just how difficult it would have been for those students there to be able to have access to education and to have, you know, they wouldn't have had um, the opportunities that you guys would have had to be able to um, get onto a computer, you know, and, and your, you know, your computers give you so much um, information at the touch of a button. You know, it's literally a window right there. You know, and it's it's very much down to us as teachers to be able to show you and point you in those directions. It's a good poem. Right, guys, so... Tomorrow, I'm going to head over with my family. We're going to Broadstairs, but I'm going to be carrying on. Um, spending the weekend, um, long weekend, over with my lovely family, my lovely mum and dad. Um, but, yeah, I'll be carrying on. Um, so, I should be chatting about my mum and dad. Um, yeah, I'll maybe get mum and dad to pick a poem. Uh, so, I hope you're well. Etc. Etc. Please get in touch with me. You can um, get in touch with me the same way as ever. You can get in touch with me via email. So that's Karen.Vanderhoven at turnerschools.com or by um, via the um, Facebook page. That's fine. Oh, Oscar has just put the goal thing on top of Reuben. Uh, and um, yeah and just get in touch with me I'll talk about whatever you want to talk about give me a poem, give me a quote etc 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 I want you to stay in apart from your constitutionals stay well, wear a mask and stay gorgeous you take care now bye